Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and with me again together today is John. John, how you doing? Uh, good. Good. Good to hear. How how's uh how's work been as the weather gets nicer out there? Uh, hot. Uh, <laughs> although I have pretty much this entire week off because uh, I've been at the post office for one year, and they make you do a five day break in service after a year. So I got until sunday off which is really nice what is the what is the purpose of that is that like a uh if they don't give you a break in service then they have to bring you on as a full-time regular employee there it is okay whereas if they give you a five-day break in service it stops them from needing to bring you on fully um and there's a line of succession above me so when i got hired a year ago i was last on the line of succession uh, now I think there's about six six people above me. So if six people retire or quit or get fired or whatever that are regular employees, then you move up that, that chain. Sure. Nice. Yeah, it makes more sense. It would be nice if they were like, hey, thank you for being here a year. Here's a free five days off. But instead, it's <laughs> it's a little more diabolical than that, sadly. Like, we have to fire you, sort of. <clears throat> yeah. We'll bring you back in a week. Uh, but, so that does lead me into, uh, I, I'm an, I have a rant this week, John. I've been thinking about doing a rant every week, like something that really bothers me. Um, and, you know, I talked last week about the eBay thing, the, the eBay yep. selling thing. And so this week, and we talked a little bit about it in the pre-show, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about wearing masks out in public. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying uh, I understand that this can be a politically divisive issue. I think that's crazy. I don't understand why this is politically divisive. It just, you know, yes. I would go so I would say <laughs> it's been made into a politically divisive thing. That is it probably more be. accurate. It absolutely should not be, and and it's somehow been turned into that. Like the idea of us, whatever. Okay, so here here's my rant. So, and you actually asked me a funny. You asked me the question, and I told you the story I was going to tell today anyway earlier but so we since june 1st we've been requiring masks to be worn in the store and if you had to ask me when we were going to stop i would say maybe by the end of july or august like i don't see it ending before that you know for for multiple reasons i don't see us having a sale i mean i'm already running plans in my head about what to do for black friday we might we might have to do like black friday deals all week or something you know just to try to not have one day of sales where we have a bunch of people in there um yeah. you know depending on obviously how the situation is at that time so now i follow pretty closely i feel the science behind covid19 and everything going on with it i i read articles from the cdc i talk to people that are you know that work in hospitals and like i don't i don't just like go on cnn or or fox news or whatever you prefer to listen to i i don't i don't go to those and just like read a headline and go oh no covid's bad or oh no covid's not so bad like i look at the cdc guidelines when i made my plans on how to open my store so with that being said we require masks to be worn in the store. We wear masks all day. Uh, we ha I have a friend, Rob, who owns Start Over Games in, in Oshkosh, and he had this happen to him where they were wearing masks, and his employee, when no one was in the store, had pulled his mask down because there was no one in the store. And then when a customer walked in, he went to put it up, and the customer looked at him and said, you know, something along the lines of... Um, you know, oh, if, if you're not going to wear masks, I don't want to come in. And then the customer left. 
And so that's crazy, right? But but we were able to use it as a learning tool, which was nice for us because so the reason so what we did then was we made it we have to wear masks all the time. Like like we can't pull them down when there's no customers in the store and yada yada. Like we just wear them all the time. So I wear a mask at work for roughly ten to eleven hours a day. And which gets hot. Which gets hot and, and really like it's it like your mouth gets really like um moist because you're kind of breathing back into it. So like my mustache feels weird and like uh, my lips feel really <laughs> weird. Like my lips feel like I'm wearing chapstick and stuff. Um but I choose to do that because one, it tells our customers, hey, we care about your safety. I wear a mask so that the customer feels safe that if I'm sick, I'm not going to get them sick. Right. And so we thought, hey, it's only fair if we ask the customers when they're in the store for, you know, 10 minutes, we're wearing them for 10 hours. If you wear it for 10 minutes while you're in the store. And I have to say, first and foremost, 99% of people, let's say 90, 90, 95, 99% of people are, have been really cool about it. A lot of people don't have their own masks and we're giving people masks for free. So if you don't have a mask and you come to the store, I just give you one out of my own pocket. I bought them myself. And they don't even touch them. They hand them to you with a needle nose pliers. Now I was going to try I was trying to get like this kind of (laughs) night little, um, like surgical tool that you could like, they don't have anything like that. I can't get my hands on anything like that. So yes. Can you get one of those like dinosaur grabber things? (laughs) Well, these are, the masks are all super stuck together. So like you have to have something with like precision. So sadly, sadly I can't get like, that'd be hilarious though. Like use a pincer and just like (laughs) grab it for him. So my rant this week is is about the people that have had problems with it. And I told a story before about the customer had a problem. We just had one on Monday where it was, it was a, a lady and her like two kids. They were maybe in there like 15, 16 and the kids have been in the store all the time. Like I recognized them right away. I hadn't seen them since before quarantine. And so they came in and we do what we always do. And we greet them and we say, Oh, Hey, did you guys have masks with you? And she just stops kind of dead in her tracks. Just goes, no. And we're like, Oh, that's okay. No problem. We'll give you one for free. And we walk over to give her one. And she just goes, no, that's okay. And then she pulls them out of the store and they just walk out. So I don't understand that. I, I don't understand how you're so anti-mask that like you won't even take a free one to wear in, yeah. to be in a store for 10 minutes. I, it's crazy to me. And it's crazy to me like how rude people are about it. And and later that day I had an, I had another customer who, you know, they didn't have masks. And when I said, you know, oh, hey, do you, do you, you know, I can give you one, no problem. And I start walking over and they just look at me and they're like, do I have to wear one? I'm like, well, first of all, there's a big effing sign on the door that says, yes, you have to <laughs> wear one. But if you don't want to read that, like, hey, I bought those signs, had to pay money to, to, to inform people, right? But that's okay. That's okay. We'll tell you, you know, come on, my baby birds. Come with me. I'll feed you. Like, I'll, I'll teach you. I and, think I think baby bird feeding uh, the customer would definitely spread COVID. Th- that, that is probably not <laughs> safe. According to the CDC. According to the CDC, they say don't bird feed each other um you know and so you know he says something like that and i just say you know yes you have to wear it and i'm getting to the point now where if people ask me if they have to wear it i'm not even going like oh yeah we're really hoping you know that you guys understand we really appreciate it. it's really cool thank you and i'm just going yes and i'm just yep. I'm, I'm just done i'm done with it and and i'm done with the and, and i know there's gonna be people who are listening to this who maybe don't want to wear masks and so let me just tell you that's totally fine that's totally fine. And if someone came into my store and said, hey, man, I don't want to wear a mask. It violates my freedom. I'd say, that's okay. 
you tell me what you want. I'll pick it out for you. I'll bring the credit card machine outside and you can still buy it. Like I'm willing to work with people based on their personal beliefs. I'm the most understanding and accommodating person when it comes to this sort of stuff. And, and then, but when I get attitude back for us making a rule that literally is for our protection, right? Because again, I'm wearing a mask for them. I'm asking them to wear a mask for us and people just can't do that. And that's really pissing me off, John. And and the worst part is week one, almost, I would say 75% of people had masks. A few didn't, there were no problems. Week two, 50% of people had masks, roughly a problem here and there. This week, almost nobody has masks. And I've had more, I had three, like kind of two to three people that were like hemming and hawing about masks just on Monday alone. So I feel hmm. like the general populace has become like is bored with it. We're we're yeah, bored, we're it. bored with the COVID thing, everybody. Like it's it's really putting a damper on my on my life. So I just I don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't want to wear a mask. And it's just frustrating. Well, that's that's my the rant. News, the news cycle has moved on to bigger and more exciting things, and so it's not in their face as much. True, very true. And I could see where well, because it's not on your news feed every post of every day, maybe you feel like it's not important or any it's just as important as it was two months ago, three months ago to do it now. And I feel like the wearing masks things is the only thing we can do. That's the bare minimum we can do if you want to reopen and you want to have everybody out and about. My store specifically, we're a we're a uh, 1900 square foot store. So when you have the three employees and seven customers in there, you have 10 people in there. It's like impossible with all the racks and everything in there. You can't stand six feet apart from each other. Every aisle you walk down, if there's somebody else in that aisle, you're going to walk past them. There's no way to, to do it. So everyone wears masks. Everyone's safe and it's fine. And and, and I guess that's the other thing that frustrates me is like it's my it's my choice to run that business. Like we, we had a guy yesterday made a comment something along the lines of, or on Sunday made it long I made a comment to, to the workers something about to Dave and Dom something about you know oh so you you requiring these masters it's like a the corporate uh, the, the business owner <laughs> making you do like like that was kind of the comment and you just say hi yeah. I'm the business well, owner and I was and I wasn't there that day so but but Dave handled it perfectly and Dave just goes no it was our decision together like the, the owner and all of us came together and thought it was the best thing to do to be safe for all of our customers and our families and ourselves and I'm like man that's perfect and that explained it perfectly and again the customer didn't really have a problem with it it's almost like he was trying to find a weakness there you know and like where he could almost be like see even the employees don't want to do it they don't want to do it so that's they want to pick a fight about it yeah i just i just i'm 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 so frustrated with it because i feel like no one else handled it like this menards makes you wear a mask costco makes you wear a mask they don't costco doesn't give you anything they just tell you to go pound sand menards has like (laughs) an imposing security guard there who will just straight up like tell you no you can't go in is it nice He's cranky. He's there in a mask for 10 hours a day, probably. So he's not in a great (laughs) mood. And then customer service has masks that you have to buy, you know? And I feel like if we're getting attitude, I I don't know. I, I I just feel like the average person seems to be over the whole thing. And this happens a lot, too. And this is a little frustrating. And I apologize if this, like, offends anybody out there who does this. But just, like, maybe think about this. A lot of people will come to the door. They don't have a mask. So we'll say, hey, do you guys have masks with you? And they'll look at each other and go, oh, we do in the car. We'll go get them. And then they go to their car, they get their mask, and they put it on. And I'm like, well, that's nice, but you should be wearing the mask anytime you go out in public, not just because a store is requiring it. 
And and what's funny about that is I knew when I made this policy that I had to make it mandatory because if I didn't, nobody would follow it. Like I just yeah. I knew that from day one that if I didn't make it mandatory, it was gonna be something that nobody would take seriously. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, rant over, I'm done. I just please out there people, <laughs> like just just I'm not I'm not telling you to like, you know, sit in your house and not like go outside or anything like that. I'm just saying like, if you have to go outside, just wear a mask. And if you go to a business that wants you to wear a mask, just understand like some of us might have family members at home with compromised immune systems. Not all of us have the luxury of getting sick as business owners. Maybe we don't have insurance. I'm just saying like, there's not, it's not just as simple as, well, the president said, you know, I don't have to wear a mask. I don't want to. But, and if you wear a mask, you don't like the president. Like it it can't come to that, you know? So please, anyone, please. I appreciate everyone. I love everyone, but please like just, just wear a mask, please. I saw an article about a guy that, uh, he was in the hospital for like 64 days and he finally got out of the hospital. He recovered from COVID. He got a $1.1 million doctor bill. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Even even he recovered. He didn't die, <laughs> but he's still going to have to probably file bankruptcy, and his life was going to be ruined for quite a long time. Yeah. Plus, whatever the negative side effects of having that disease will do to your body. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's it's serious. Um, my my gripe about the people in public, as far as COVID goes, is like people not being cognizant of like others and like, like giving people room to get past each other. Like it's like, Hey, I'm here. I would like to go down that aisle. Can you please not make me go right next to you? Like, just give me, give me a few feet, please. Like when all this stuff first started, I went to Austin's grocery store on Webster and I literally, I was walking in there and there were two old guys not wearing masks or anything on each side of the door, like talking to each other. So I had to walk through them, you know, and I looked at them and I just I was like, I was like, hey, guys, you know, we're trying to distance. Would you mind if you want to talk? Can you like talk not on each like like literally one person was on each side of the door, you know, so if you walked in the door, it was like passing through their gateway, you know, and I just yeah, like take- it. There, there's such a lack of awareness in so many people. It's so frustrating to me. And and have that conversation outside. It's like four steps away. Yeah, it was. It was a nice <laughs> night. Just go outside. It's it. Oh, oh. And John, let me tell you, we could we could start a whole new podcast on the rancid condition of our healthcare in this country. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what? These guys don't want to hear it. <laughs> I got good insurance. I'm, they, yeah, they can they can I'm tune right. they can tune into Health Talk Radio. <laughs> we'll start that up sometime. Health, health Talk Radio, Healthcare Talk Radio. Obamacare, so, uh, whatever. <laughs> so to change the subject, uh, have you been playing anything lately? Uh, not really. I'm still just playing Warzone. Like I'm, I, I'm having a hard time focusing on a game. I think I'm waiting for Last of Us Two, and that's gonna be the okay. game that energizes me to play. I'm gonna play through that, and then I've got a couple weeks until Ghosts of Tsushima come out, and then Cyberpunk is a month after, two months after that. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It still boggles my mind that you're a Call of Duty bro. <laughs> I, I and what's funny is I haven't played a Call of Duty since like Black Ops, and and, and I had played Modern Warfare and I liked it. I think I skipped World at War. You know, I played Modern Warfare two, and I played Black Ops, and then I just f- never played it again. 
And then now Warzone, since it's a BR, I, I do like BRs. And so mm. that helped. And it's really well done. And I don't suck at it. That's really what it boils down to. <laughs> is that when Have I you sh- won? I've won like 15. I've got like 15 nice, BR nice. wins. Dude, I, I seriously win yeah. like a good amount of the time. And and so like when it sucks to suck. So when you don't suck, it's fun. And so that's – but also it has to do with like – work being stressful and i just want to come home and just a no brain something and that's really what that game is that game is just straight up just run around pick up guns shoot guys kill them or die i mean it's like it's that simple um but Uh, yeah but how about how about you what have you been playing well i was gonna ask did you play the base uh, modern warfare remaster that that game spawned off of i did not Oh, well, well, so I bought, I got Warzone first and then I did buy the full version of the game to play the other multiplayer modes. And then I started playing the single player and I don't, there's really like, it seemed cool, but I just do not like single player first person shooters. Like it is so boring to me, like running through a (laughs) pre-scripted level. I don't know. I can't get into it, but I, I was thinking about it because, uh, I picked up the remaster, the, the early remaster this week. And it's it's funny that like two three years prior they remastered that game and then kind of rebooted that game. Yeah, yeah. The the, the once again the naming is just, eh, you know, like yeah. I'm I'm curious how close it is to the remaster. Yeah, I, well, the this well the the new one is a totally new game. Like it, like it it okay. It's like a reimagining, but it's not even like it, it brought back like. Soaps McTavish or whatever his name was. Yeah. Like it brings him back, but in a, you know, it's not like it's a sequel where he lived or something. Oops. Spoiler <laughs> for modern warfare too. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, as far as what I've been playing, uh, I'm playing saints row the third, still man eater, uh, which I got more, a little bit more into Dom. Liked then... Man-Eater, uh, yeah. Dom, Dom liked man eater a lot. Yeah. Man eater is good, but they, they have all these upgrades for the shark, but they're locked in some fashion and they're not clear on how you get them. So Mm. like, I, I don't have much, uh, many upgrades for the shark. So it's kind of boring in the beginning. Um, but then I downloaded a game for two bucks today off Xbox, uh, which it originally released on switch on and it's physical called Poi P O I. Okay. Um, that game's really fun. It's, Mm. it's like a Nintendo 64 style platformer. Uh, it's got some fun, like the, the levels are small. I know you hate platformers. <laughs> I, as, um, I mean, and if, and if you're going to try to sell me on platformers, John, you can't call it an N64 style platformer. Uh, well, like, do you, you're, hate, talk, you're do talking you like Mario Banjo. 64? No, Mario 64 is probably the only platformer I like. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, cause I actually also don't like Banjo. Okay. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm weird. And the only Banjo game I like is the one everyone hates which is nuts and bolts nuts and bolts right yep uh and that was just because me and my buddies would make the most impressive looking dick mobile uh <laughs> that you possibly could it's very true take it in the multiplayer very very, very true <laughs> but yeah uh poi is really fun it was only two bucks um it's got it's got some fun levels like visually it's it's pretty impressive and like it doesn't have any of those like little weird, like this doesn't feel right moments. Like where like you're jumping around and it feels floaty or crappy. Like it feels really well done. So I, I like it and I'm glad I picked it up. Nice. Nice. 
Um, yeah, I guess the only other thing I played was that I was telling you a little bit on the pre-show, but I kickstarted a game. I don't know, it must have been six months to a year ago. It's called Demons of Astaborg, and it's actually an all-new Sega Genesis game, uh, which is pretty cool. I'm sure it's going to come to PS4 and stuff. Like, you'll be able to play it on those, um, but I'm getting, like, a physical cartridge of it. And, you know, so it's, it's a pretty cool side-scroller, but it's got some, um, like, Castlevania Metroid-style elements to it. And as I was playing okay. it, I thought to myself, there are not – if I mean, I, th- I can only think of one game on the Sega Genesis that that has that sort of, and it's not even really like that. It has more of a menu system, but like there aren't really any Castlevania Metroid types on the Sega Genesis. Like it just wasn't a genre that hit them. Like th- there's no Super Metroid. There's no, you know, like there's a Castlevania, but it's level based. It's not back and forth, you know, kind yeah. of 2D RPG exploration sort of open world uh, idea. So it could be cool, but I think this one does a map system very similar to a game that I actually like a lot that not a lot of people have played, but it's called a uh, Phantom 2040. So it was a game based off the cartoon, and the cartoon was a futuristic version of the Phantom, which was a movie, okay. and then was like a comic, I guess, you know? And so it's like a futuristic version of the Phantom, and it, the game itself is really good. Uh, and you pick, like, different – you choose what levels you want to go to, and then you get, like, certain items, or technically you get, like, a you have, like a grapple hook, and then when you upgrade that, you can get to higher places and get to other parts of other levels and stuff like that. So I would say it's more close to that, but it was, it was really fun, actually. I played the demo – because they released a demo. The game's not out yet. They released a demo today to the Kickstarter is the, backers. Is the demo run on a Genesis emulator, or is there are they making a PC version of the game? I, I had to do a Genesis emulator to play it, yeah. Okay, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty awesome. I had to get a new one, too, make sure it like played well and it was good, so... Um, but other than that, so we've got, we've got three stories we want to talk about. And then we've also, of course, as always, we have our games of the week picked out. We have our pickup piles of the week. John, I loved your idea last week where you take a picture of your game, your pickup pile of the week and put it on Twitter. I'm going to do the same thing, uh, every week. Cause I think that's awesome. Uh, and the, the stories, uh, quickly, we're going to, we have a follow up to the GameStop story we did last time where, uh, they voted, on that proxy fight to for the board members, we talked about that in, a, in quite in quite a length uh, when we talked about that. So we have an update on that. Uh, we have it's not really an update, I suppose, but Gearbox is once again suing 3D Realms over Duke Nukem and and the property <laughs> that they supposedly outright bought many years ago. And then this weird story we're going to touch on is Nintendo is going to be going after after people who buy and sell villagers and animal crossing items in the new animal crossing. So <laughs> we'll have to get into that whole thing. Cause there's like an underground of that game where people like go and buy items for real money or for belt. It's crazy. So, um, but first up, I think we'll talk about GameStop and some of these stories are kind of short cause there's not really a whole lot to talk about, but, uh, we'll cue these up. We'll get going and then, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get rolling. So, uh, are you ready, John? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, here we go. So first up on the podcast today, John, like I had just said, we're going to do an update to the story we talked about a few weeks ago, which was we had done an extensive conversation on GameStop and how there was a board of directors conflict. Um, Some investors, some stockholders basically were having a proxy fight to try to get two of their own members on the board to help make some decisions because they felt that GameStop was not being successful, Um, which seems like... It kind of goes in the duh category. Um, right. So so GameStop has been struggling, as we all know. And so these these were two companies that had a stake in GameStop. 
And so there was like a proxy vote. So all the stockholders share, all the shareholders got this, um, like this, you could vote white or vote blue. Like you had to vote a card and, and one was to stick with the GameStop management and trust them. And the other one was let's put two new people on the board and try something different essentially. And so the update to the story is that GameStop as the company, it failed to make the case to investors during a proxy fight with activist hedge funds, Hestia capital and permit capital. According to the preliminary voting results, both hedge funds nominees have been elected to GameStop's board. So basically what that means is that GameStop tried to make the case that they were fine (laughs) and the investors that had that big presentation that we talked about, like the 85 page presentation about why it's not fine. Giant PDF. Yeah. They they were successful uh, in getting their two nominated people onto the board. So now they have a seat at the table, literally two seats at the table uh, to actually make some changes. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not necessarily a great thing because you don't know. You don't know when hedge fund managers start getting board spots and then they start talking about what's the best way to squeeze profit out. Now, when we looked at the slides, there was some great information in the slides. I mean, it was it was nice to look at that and say, hey, they know how to make the company successful. Now, are they going to transition and do those things or was that just what they said to get a power grab? Who knows? Who, yeah, who knows? They, they had a lot of stuff in that slide that, was very, very customer focused and very like treat your, treat your employees like they're your biggest asset, like mindset. And you really don't hear that out of the regular GameStop corporate. It's, it's all about like payrolls, your biggest, uh, your biggest cost factor, cut as much as you can, that sort of thing. And that's really runs opposite of providing good customer service. But that's been GameStop's MO for decades. Yeah, yeah, so, that, that really hasn't changed ever. Yeah, so the the stuff that these guys were saying, if I was working at GameStop, I would be excited to see them be on the board because, like I said, it, they've been cutting payroll and running on, on fumes as far as employees go for years. Right. And to get somebody in there that may not have that same mindset it's about damn time. Yeah. So I hope these guys do some good good things, and I hope I hope they turn GameStop around because I would like to still see them exist. Yeah, I say that all the time. Like I don't wish them to go away. I wish them to get better. And and yep. I, I think well, we still have a ton of friends that work there, and I I can't imagine any employee who works there that doesn't see this as good news. You know, something is probably going to change. Um, and it also like so the the shareholders also then obviously get a vote in you know, um, who, who the leadership of the company is too. And so that's a big part of it. You know, who, who gets to steer this monstrosity. So, uh, so I think overall it is good news. Um, the article goes on to say both sides had previously presented their cases to stockholders in several no holds barred letters that questioned the opposition's competence and motives. The activist investors condemned GameStop's current leadership, stating the company's board candidates, are two long tenured directors with largely irrelevant skill sets, no meaningful ownership, and a track record of destroying over 2.5 billion in stockholder value. I mean, that's like that that that's that's tough, but it's not wrong. You know, like that's harsh. Now, make. did these guys, by getting those two board seats, did they kick those other two guys off? Then I don't know how that works. To be honest, uh, let me see yeah, if or uh, or did they just make two more board seats? 
let's see. So it says ultimately stockholders voted Curtis Wolf and Paul Evans onto the GameStop board. Um, let's see here. He added the pairs optimistic in the newly reconfigured board's ability to unlock GameStop's significant latent value. Um, it does not comment on the number of board members if they like took other people out like that i don't know i mean if i had to guess i would say yes because it talked about because the company's board candidates so what i'm guessing is the company picked two candidates and then they had this proxy vote to put two candidates in it was basically a battle of who of those two candidates was going to get on the board okay and so uh so the uh, the hedge funds the, the 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 challenger i guess you would say uh was the victor um and, and did this have any uh impact on their stock at all well, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't didn't look that up. I can look it up real quick, probably. What else we got to do? What else? What else we got going on? All right, let's take a look here. Yeah, I mean, they're up to four point seven six. They're up two point six percent. Yeah, I mean, it's not great. You know, <laughs> it's not it's not bad. It's better than it was <laughs> a few months ago. Better than um, Sega. Yeah, better than <laughs> Sega. Uh, but, yeah, so it is, you know, I think overall it's a good thing. And uh, I, I, I've i already, and I know it is it is what it is because it's mostly employees. And we, we've had a long exposure to certain employees that it didn't matter how great things were, they would complain. So you can never really gauge off of that. But, like, if you head over to the GameStop subreddit, you've already got them frustrated with, GameStop opening fully back to full-time hours, single coverage all day, tons of RSBs, tons of counts, TOH, tons of shipping stuff. And so, like, they're basically going right back to the way it was before, which is just, like, squeezing your employees, you know? Yeah. And and, and I know I felt that way for a long time, and, and I think there's less payroll in the stores now since I was there. But when I was there, I felt like it wasn't enough, you know? And then I know you worked in Bay Park in a mall store for a long time, and the yep. mall stores would get like no hours during the summer. And then at Christmas would give you so many, you didn't know what to do with, you know? Well, and they would give you, they would give you less hours than other stores, but you'd be busier than those other stores. Yeah. And it'd be infuriating. Well, and originally they only did the hours based off of sales. So I would get mad because at Mason street, we had good sales and we had bonkers trades. Well, trades take longer to process than sales do. So if you have a lot of trades, you should have been getting payroll bumps for that, but they didn't even factor it in. So it was, it, you know, so we had all this extra work to do because we had the same quote unquote sales as a different store when they had a 10th of the product coming in that we had to clean and gut. And then, and then because you do a lot of trades, you have to ship a lot out to stores that don't do trades. Like it's extra work by a lot if you're a successful trading store. Yeah. When I was still in the mall, there was a, there was a store like 40 minutes away from us that they would do like $3,000 worth of sales in a week. And the mall would do like $21,000 worth of sales in a week. And we would get the same number of payroll hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it was infuriating because they would like, then your district manager would come in and be like, why is your store so messy? Yeah. Like I was just, I was just at Jay's store and it looks great. It's like, yeah, no one buys anything at his store. So yeah. his store is going to look immaculate because they have nothing to do. And and I know, <laughs> I'm, and I know you'll be able to, to back this up because you had the same thing. I'm sure when I worked at Bay Park, 
and during the holidays when you would get 80 boxes of shipment like i had a, to go, day. a day a day <laughs> yep. and so you have to go through and get all that stuff st- i mean it was all, i mean it's crazy and so that those are all the things that are different from that store compared to small ones but so again yeah, though, one, the, oh sorry go ahead <laughs> your district manager would be like they'd come in and they'd be like why are you doing this why don't you have one of your one of your uh, part-timers do this and it's like well because i hired him three days ago and he barely knows yeah. his name. So I'm not going to hand him a box of product and trust yeah. that it gets stickered well, properly. And, and don't forget, like, if you don't have, like, a point point oh 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 one percent inventory shrink loss, then your store is a dumpster fire and you're going to get termed, you know. So, yeah. But anyway, I do think this is good news. Uh, good for everyone working there because, like we say all the time, we don't want them to go away. We want them to get better. And if you're working there and and – you think it's tough. A lot of people feel that way. And hopefully some good news is coming your way. And, you know, I don't know. I, I also, sure hope so. If you work there and life sucks and you hate it, uh, look elsewhere. <laughs> Cause we both did. And I'm yeah. pretty sure both of us are much happier. It, it's, it's such a weird thing. And everyone I've known who's ever left there has been so much happier. I yeah. mean, everybody, I've never talked to anyone who regretted leaving there. Not anyone. No one GameStop Stockholm syndrome (laughs) and people, people. (laughs) And that's what I always say about GameStop was it was a very comfortable place to work, especially in the 2000s and the 20, you know, in the 20s, in the 2000s to 2010. It was a great place to work because one, they were a great company. They were on kind of, you know, top of the world. They were the best at what they did, which was selling video games. And so it was it was a different time to work there, you know, and then obviously when times get tough and then the, the tightening starts happening, it's just, it's rough. And you got to start with your employees because if your employees aren't happy, like that's where everything starts. And it just, I always felt like when I was there, I always felt that they didn't like that. We were always just like an afterthought. Like we, like they knew we weren't going to quit. They knew they had an applications in the desk of people who wanted to work there. If we did quit, like there was yep. no reason to keep us happy because, and, and I, I was told specifically that they didn't even make a counter offer to me when I, when I said I was leaving because they could just let me walk and they could replace me for someone who makes 12,000 a year less. And so I was like, well, yes, you can put someone in that store who makes 12,000 less, but I mean like, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but being a top performer for all those years, like you weren't really replacing me. You were just filling a void that I left a very big, a very big void. When I left. Um, it's a smaller void now. Though. <laughs> now, if I left, it would be a smaller void. The void has slimmed down. It, it has. The, the void has, uh, <laughs> has consumed less. All right. So next up on the podcast, hey John, let's move away from GameStop. Let's talk about something else. that's really sad and depressing. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, let's talk about lawsuits. suing people. <laughs> Let, let's talk about Gearbox once again suing 3D Realms again over Duke Nukem again. Uh, so here, here's and and obviously after being smarmy about it, the lawsuit itself is actually in connection to another lawsuit. So like you said, a composer Bobby Prince last year filed a lawsuit. Uh, that he never got paid from certain assets in Duke Nukem, the, the music in Duke Nukem. And, of course, Gearbox is for, like... They, they re-released Duke Nukem on PS4 and Xbox One, yeah. and that's where the the issue lies, is that his music was used in those two games, 
and he didn't get any payment for it. Right. And and going back a little bit, in 2014, Gearbox sued 3D Realms and Interceptor Entertainment over Duke Nukem Mass Destruction, which was a top-down action RPG they were developing without the approval of Gearbox, which acquired the property in 2010. The case was settled a year later. Gearbox was affirmed as the full owner of Duke Nukem. Mass Destruction morphed into Bombshell, and all was well until last year when composer Bobby Prince filed suit against Gearbox, Valve, and Randy Pitchford... (laughs) over music he'd written for Duke Nukem 3D, which he claimed was used without permission in the Gearbox published Duke Nukem 3D 20th Anniversary World Tour. So that's the game you're talking about, the remake of Duke Nukem 3D. So Gearbox has since filed a new lawsuit against Apogee Software, the legal name of 3D Realms, and co-founders Scott Miller and George Broussard that alleges breach of contract in relation to the sale of Duke Nukem IP a decade ago. Simply put, Gearbox is saying that 3D Realms failed to mention that it didn't own the music when it sold the Duke Nukem rights. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just, I, I actually, I won't say this very often, I feel kind of bad for Gearbox here. Like, them trying to buy the rights to Duke Nukem has been the biggest, has to have been the biggest pain in their ass and cost them tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees dealing yeah. with all the garbage to go along with this property. Now, they probably made that back. Duke Nukem's name has power. Like, there is marketing power behind it. Uh, and and right now, I mean, I think the the 30th anniversary, or the 20th anniversary sold really well, I think. I mean, it sold better than I think they expected it to. Physical copies are actually kind of hard to find, uh, so that would tell me that they printed less than, um, you know, than they expected, and they sold more than they expected to, I should say. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, John, what are your thoughts on, on poor gearbox? (laughs) So I, I think, like I said before, uh, off the podcast, I do think that they most likely worked this out with the composer because they are releasing that same, uh, Duke Nukem world tour on switch really recent or really soon. Um, I believe you could pre-order it now on switch for only five bucks. Um, nice. So and, and that game still holds up. It's still damn good. Um, and I think there's value to Duke Nukem, but I th- this is what I would do with Duke Nukem if I were 3D, or if I were um, Gearbox. I would put him into Borderland as a playable character, as a DLC or whatever, sure. and just have, like, have him in the game you you've got his quips and everything and then put his put his mix of guns into the game so that way the duke weapons are suddenly another manufacturer and then you're getting the rocket launcher you're getting the shrink ray uh you're getting the pipe bombs and that sort of thing and i, I think like that it. would be a good way to reintroduce that character and get people excited now they did it with with the uh, bulletstorm but they didn't like they just took the Bulletstorm game and basically put Duke's dialogue into it. They right. didn't, they didn't make it about him. It was still you were playing the regular Bulletstorm, and I think they need to treat it a little bit more special. But then also do something to make Duke his own character, because all Duke is is just '80s and '90s movie quotes <laughs> regurgitated. Yes, like. There's not, there's not a whole does, lot going on upstairs there. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that really showed when you played Duke Nukem Forever, it was like, 
man, there's no there's no solid gameplay, and these terrible these quotes are terrible when you don't have decent gameplay to back it up. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and there is a there's a nostalgic factor there, but if you're gonna make like a new Duke Nukem game, like it needs to grow somehow. Like it needs to become more cinematic, or it needs to be like go go the way of Doom or something, where it just something about it needs to change a little bit. Um, also, yeah. I like I like what you're saying. That makes total sense to me. Like drop him into the Borderlands universe. Like you could totally tie those in somehow. You know, yeah. even if it was something as stupid as he goes through a portal or something. You know. Um, but no, I'm totally with you. Get him into Smash. Let's get him into Smash Brothers. Uh, <laughs> God <get him>. no. <laughs> <laughs> or, or get him into um, PlayStation All Stars Two. You know, just, whatever. <laughs> just just get him in there. Uh, now, <laughs> if you're an old school Duke fan and you want new gameplay uh, in the in the build engine, uh, 3D Realms actually did just release on console. I think it's called Iron Fury. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, it but, used to be uh, called Iron Maiden, and then they got sued by Iron Maiden. Yeah, <laughs> so it's Iron Fury, yes. Yeah, but it, it's basically it's female Duke Nukem. Uh, I think she she doesn't do as many like humorous quips, so it's mostly about gameplay. But the levels are pretty big um, and kind of interesting. It has a kind of a Blade Runner feel if it was a Blade Runner game made in 1996. Hmm. And that's and that's 3D Realms though. That's not yeah. Gearbox. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like, which which is smart on their part. Go back to making what you're known for, you know? And Yeah, it's like, obvi- hey, we only know how to use this one engine from 30 years yeah. ago, so let's use it. <laughs> let's say, hey, hey, Half-Life, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can still use the Source engine for half things. It's fine. It's fine. If it's a good engine, it it it, uh, it, it lives and, uh, you know, lives through the test of time. But anywho, uh, so, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said. I'm, I feel like to get the game released, they had to pay... Uh, Bobby Prince had to pay his royalties and then now they're suing because I'm sure they looked at the contract and the contract probably didn't mention the music. So now Gearbox is going back to 3D Realms and saying, look, you said this was all inclusive. You you didn't say you didn't own the rights to this or to that, to this, and that we'd have to buy all this stuff. So um, now you could probably argue that maybe a lawyer should have caught that when they were looking through these documents but you know yeah <laughs> i don't i'm assuming the lawyers don't know everything about the video game industry although maybe they should if they're going to be lawyers for video game companies i don't know hey most of gearbox's budget for for lawyers goes to magician supplies so well and didn't they just they just <laughs> don't have the capital <laughs> wasn't one of wasn't one of their lawyers too like an ex-lawyer for them wasn't it one of them that actually sued pitchford later like wasn't an ex-lawyer or something i don't yeah. know yeah it's i think I think he was the one that had the USB key with uh, supposedly very underage-looking girls on it. That's right. That's right. The, the the rumor was that that he had that. Yeah. Still waiting to hear what the courts decide about that. Actually, I want that follow-up. Uh, so yeah, there's <laughs> that. And I mean, I don't know. Are we are we getting? Is Randy Pitchford getting to Dennis Dyack levels of turning everything he touches to shit? Or <laughs> like? Uh, yeah. I think he needs he needs to step back. <laughs> as the face of that company yeah he just needs to let his company do its own thing he needs to hire somebody as a pr person that that is likable and just just sit behind his desk and and do the do the dirty work as far as running the company and anybody who doesn't know who dennis dyack is that was the head of silicon knights uh, I know John obviously knows. We talk about this. We make yep. fun of him all the time. Uh, but yes, that was like everything after Eternal Darkness that they touched was just like 
trash. So they did two human and then they did X-Men destiny. And apparently the rumor was they were trying to make a working demo for eternal darkness too. So they used Activision's money from X-Men destiny and had half the team working on that. And so X-Men destiny rumor has it that they were trying to make the game so bad that Activision would just scrap it because they didn't want to come out and Activision never scrapped it. They just said, fine, just release what, you know, like get it to a finished state and release it. So that's why the game was so bad. Like they're, they're embarrassed at how bad it is, but they thought like rumor has it that Dayak was trying to tank that game so hard that Activision would can it. Which I'm kind of surprised that they didn't sue Dayak for that because that is, how do you prove that? But I mean, I agree. Like, but how do you prove that? Disgruntled ex employees. Yeah, yeah, you got to find them somewhere. And the other thing about that, too, was Dayak, um, so Silicon Knights was in Canada. They got a ton of grants from, like, the Canadian government to, like, start a video game studio in in Canada, you know? And that's the other thing, too. It's it's like um the movies that, uh, uh, what's his name, was making. U- Uwe Boll. Yes, thank you. Uwe Boll was making uh, because the government was like, well, let's give you a whole bunch of money to make, like, Hollywood movies, man. Make us some movies so you can be like, <sighs> Man, people just getting scammed all over the place. Uh, <laughs> it, it's great. Oh, it's fantastic. So next up on the podcast today, John, we are talking about Nintendo. And so I love Animal Crossing. Okay. I don't know. Um, Nicole's been playing it. She loves it. Uh, she's petered out. She's petered uh, out. Okay. I, I have as well. Yeah. I, I put in about 200 hours and I kind of I ran out as soon as the game started to feel like a chore where I was starting to feel bad if I didn't play every day. That's when I just like finished off. Were you but, letting your turnips go bad? Uh, I I was not playing the turnip game. No, <laughs> nope. I don't play the turnip game. Uh, so this article came across though, and I thought it was like once again Nintendo seemingly overstepping their legal boundaries. But here's the headline, Destructoid. Nintendo says it will start going after people who buy and sell villagers and other Animal Crossing New Horizon items. Um, so quickly, I don't know how much Nicole got into it or if you got into it. There is an unbelievable community, underground community, when it comes to trading items and getting different villagers in Animal Crossing. Like there are Facebook yep. groups with tens of thousands of people in it. You can go on eBay right now and pay someone for a certain villager and and how that works is when you get a certain villager in your village you can you you have that day set and you know what day that they're going to be there you can roll back to that day they'll be there again you can invite that person to your village they'll talk to them invite them to be their their uh one of their villagers i'm pretty sure that's how it works um, cause I don't do it because I, I find the time traveling, especially obnoxious in that game. Um, people do that. And, 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 and look, I, I'm the first guy to say, play, play games, how you want to play it. If you want to have fun playing animal crossing by time traveling and skipping like the natural kind of roadblocks they put in front of you so that you don't just finish the game in a couple weeks, it's however you want to play. It's fine. Um, and then stuff like this, I find this very odd. I think it's at first I thought it was cool that people were getting together and doing like item swaps because like, say I invite you to my village, I could drop an item for you. And if you pick it up and then you put it back down, it's registered that you had it, that you own, that you had it in your possession and then you can buy it in your village. So a lot of people get together and throw down like rare items. I think that's fantastic because there's so many items in the game. You'd never get them all yourself. Never. Yeah. 
I mean, unless you played a lot or did this. So I think that's really cool. Except that all of a sudden there becomes this underground market of, well, I've got these arcades. So you have to come and give me three rare items and I'll drop three rare items and you have to give me some money and rare. like it's, it became a whole thing. Like it feels kind of sleazy, honestly. But with all that being said, and my, my, my oddness and weirdness to the system and to people doing it, do I feel that Nintendo should be allowed to, uh, ban people's accounts over it? Man, that feels like a stretch and a half. Um, but the article goes to say, Nintendo explains that selling content for real life monetary gain is a violation of their terms of service and they will take action accordingly if they see it happening. Now, Nintendo isn't threatening legal action. It just seems it would be banning or suspending accounts to both mm-hmm. buyers and sellers are mentioned specifically. So do you feel like Nintendo is overstepping their bounds a little bit when it comes to this? Since it's not really legal action, it's them claiming a violation of terms of service. So rather than doing what they're doing and, and slapping down these players that are obviously pretty diehard on their game, I think they should use it as an opportunity to be like, okay, how can we, how can we solve this problem and provide these people who want these villagers what they want without having them resort to these shady marketplaces and, and buying it. So they like, I would say put in a system that allows you to like write a pen pal letter to one of these, these NPC characters. So you pay, you pay 5,000 bells to write a, write a letter to whatever. Um, And maybe you have to do it like five or six times. Like you have to keep corresponding with that villager that lives on a different Island and then it will get them to come to your Island. And then you can, you can woo them in order to get them to stay. Um, because when, uh, they're basically doing what amiibo cards do in animal crossing, which is the amiibo card can get that character to show up to your Island. Yes. Uh, depending on certain character conditions, and then you have to get them to actually stay. So it's not just automatic. You wave the amiibo card and suddenly they're on your Island. So the amiibo cards aren't accessible anymore. Right. I mean, they, you really couldn't get them when animal crossing came out for switch. It was, they were right. kind of a thing of like three or two, three years ago. And so they were since Nintendo isn't really selling them. Like think of a different way to provide what those cards did to your customers. Right. And that's actually a great point because both the animal crossing amiibo, which a year ago were $2 a piece at Best Buy because they were clearancing them out just to get rid of them. But the Amiibo and the Amiibo cards were, nobody wanted them. They, mm-hmm. and they didn't think to put them back into production when they released a game. Like it's, it's so weird to me how they missed the the ball. They dropped the ball on that. Now I have heard they are looking at reprinting the animal crossing cards. Like okay. I read, I read an article about that today as I was kind of going through this story, but I don't know where that is and I haven't seen anything about it and they haven't mentioned it and the game's already three months old. So like what, where, why aren't they talking that up? You know? And, and I'm, that's a great point you made. And I love that. I love the idea that, you know, quit trying to punish your customers for quote unquote abusing your game when they're trying to get everything and do everything because they're so into the game. Like why yeah. would you suspend or, or, or block someone who's so in love with your game, they're willing to pay real life money to do something. 
You know, like you said, make it more accessible. I love the idea of a pen pal or why can't you just have something like almost like add an app to the game where it's almost like a dating app where it's a friends app and you can search it every day and they randomly throw in three villagers. And so, yeah, you don't get them right away. You don't get to get every villager you want, which now, again, I just got done preaching about how I think people should play how they want to play. It's really weird to me, the people that play Animal Crossing and uh, are like picking out the specific Stepford Wive villagers that they want to have <laughs> in their towns. So so like I would go to these, I would go to an island and you see like a villager out there, like a random island and a villager out there. You talk to him like, oh, I, this guy's going to come visit my town. And if I don't want that person, I wouldn't ask them to come to my town. And so I could take as long as I wanted to fill it up. But I, I took most people right away because I was like, oh, this person seems cool. This person is cool. And and so to think now that I would go through them and be like, oh, I really hate this this villager. I'm going to – you have to go – okay, so I don't know if you know how this works. You have to go to the center. You have to tell Isabel that you have a problem with a visitor or you have a problem with one of the villagers, and then that villager basically gets, like, kicked off the island. It's ridiculous. So, so it's so it's so weird to me that like people want to manipulate the game so much that like, oh, please, like I want my village to be so perfectly set up, like not even just building it the way they want to build it. They want to put the people in it. They want, like there's some weird like fascist <laughs> Animal Crossing, like dictatorial leaders or something that are in like the people that play this game. Um, obviously, that's a joke. But like the how uh, many how many villagers can you have on your island? Do you ten. Know? Is there you can a... have ten. Okay, ten. I'm pretty sure it's 10. Yeah, it's 10. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've heard that some villagers can have really crappy uh, personalities and be kind of D-bags. So I oh, can yeah. understand, like, if you had, like, let's say eight of your people were just D-bags, you'd be like, all right, I want to get rid of these people. And then you read about villagers that have interesting personalities, and you're like, okay, how do I get these people onto my island? Because they sound interesting. Yeah, and that's kind of the other thing, too, is they don't make it clear, like, now, and again, I mean, it's, I know me, I don't like to go, especially with an Animal Crossing game. I'm, to me, it's about the journey, not about the ending. So I'm not rushing to get to the end of this game. I'm, I'm like enjoying every minute of it. So I also don't look up guides online. I don't look up stuff like that. So from day one, you're just playing it. And then you're like, oh, here's a villager. You talk to him. Oh, he'll come to your town. Yeah, just come to my town. That's cool. Like you don't, you're not thinking of that in the beginning. You're not thinking I can only have 10 villagers. I don't want to waste it on this dumbass who keeps saying who keeps calling me chief all the time you know i don't want i don't want that guy and so that makes sense like if there's a character that annoys you and like for instance i had two frog characters on my island one's a blue frog one's a green frog and the green frog was talking to the blue frog and like like the the blue frog literally complained to me that the green frog ruined his ruined something for him so they were talking about their dreams and the blue frog was trying to tell him how he had a, a dream about this best sandwich he ever ate and he got interrupted <laughs> by the green frog and now he can't remember what that sandwich was so now he's mad at the green frog so i looked at that and i thought okay like i could i could look at this and be like hey green frog like that's that's rude you don't make someone forget Hit their the dream bricks. sandwich get out of here like like be like the police of the island like that that makes sense to me but just to look at a guy and be like oh this guy's like a bodybuilder and he keeps calling everyone captain yeah get him out of here like i don't i don't like the word captain so yeah so but whatever again play it however you want to play it um i i totally agree with you though like to me the option is should not be what can we do to shut down the players it could be what can we do to engage the players more and, and I've, I feel like Animal Crossing has done an amazing job and they've done great updates. Like that game for me right now is like 
top two, top three games of the year, and I don't see it moving out of that at all. It's it was fantastic. So, but like I don't know, like Nintendo trying to step in and say things like that, and I, and I understand the money thing too. Obviously, though, like if if you look on eBay and you can buy, like I don't know, like if you go on eBay, I think you can buy like a thousand, like a million bells for five bucks or something like that. Like it's <laughs> it's so weird, right? It's it's like MMOs with with gold selling and gold buying, except the difference is getting that many bells doesn't really destroy the economy in animal crossing. Cause it's not really a multiplayer game at its, at its yeah. core. Like, like, yes, it's multiplayer. People come to your villages and stuff, but like you only have so many items you can buy. And that's why with the whole like turnip farming thing, it was really weirding me out because like the turnip market, because like people were making four or 5 million bells a day. I'm like, well, that, that pays for your whole house. So like, what do you need money for? Like, like once you have your big turnip score, you know, like it's, it's, it's weird. And I talked to people that were like, Oh, I made 10 million, uh, you know, on turnips this week. I'm like, okay, what I, I, what do you need 10 million bells for? <laughs> like, I don't know. I think those, the people that do that were doing that where you get a ton of money, I think also edit their Island a lot. Cause I think it, it costs a lot to move crap, doesn't it? So it, it doesn't cost a lot, but if you, if you, you do spend a lot of money if you want to move buildings, like that's yeah. the only thing that really costs money is moving buildings. And I think it's like 50,000 per move, but I can go around and sell all my fruit that grows every day and I can make 50,000 in like five minutes. So like, it's not, yeah. it, it, cause I actually did. I, I relocated everyone's house at one point in my village. I like relocated every villager and like moved the museum and everything around. But yeah, so, you know, again, people play however they want to play. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm totally with you. Nintendo just needs to find a, a better way to engage those people and to keep them busy. And and I don't know about you, but I feel like they could fix the time traveling thing. Like, how is that still a thing? Like, how do they not alter that? You know, I, I don't know how they don't fix that so people can't time travel. Because that ultimately, to me, is what happens, I think, is people because and I thought this the first day, too. It's like, oh, I have to wait for this building to be done before I can build something else. So like, I remember playing it the first couple days and there was one day where I played it for like four hours and I'm like, man, I could play this for another four or five hours, but I can't really do anything except just fish and make money. So I'll just come back tomorrow and I'd like go to sleep so I could kind of reset the day. So I get that that gets kind of boring sometimes, but yeah, that's a, uh, it's just a weird way to play the game. Like, like that, that min max way of playing that, like just, balls to the wall do everything as fast as possible to me it seems kind of like it's missing the point of the game entirely but yeah i don't hate the time traveling from an aspect of people might not be able to play it when stuff is available sure like because there's there are people that work third shift and they may not be able to to get certain items because they're at work or whatever and so like the people that are kind of like being like, oh, it's it's three in the morning, but I'm gonna make it so that way it's seven a.m. So that way I can actually experience the daytime in the game. Sure, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't think that's an awful thing. Um, and really, they shouldn't be punished for that too much. Like, whatever. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, really, it doesn't negatively affect anyone else but you. Yeah, and realistically, it looks like the only thing that they're attacking that they would go after someone for is making money. So buying something yeah. with real money or selling with real money. So even the Facebook groups where you trade like three rare items for three rare items, that doesn't seem to be affected at all, which is really good because I actually think that's kind of neat. Like the idea of sharing your items with other people, like that makes total sense. Um, but even the real money thing, I mean, well, I think it's weird. I mean, if 
if that's what people want to spend their money on, I mean, you know, <laughs> I but guess I, I don't care personally, but look at other ways to, to solve the problem rather than just punishment community. That, that should be the goal. Yeah. That that's, I think that's the best way to say it, man. I, I love that take. That's a hundred percent where I am too. All right. Well, Hey, that's all we have for stories today. We're really cooking today. I like this. This is going really good. And I'm not I'm not getting hung up on tirades for 20 minutes about different things. Um, so we have our games of the week and we have our pickup piles of the week. So John, let's start with you. What is your game of the week this week? All right. My game of the week this week is Cat Quest. Cat Quest, all PS4. right. I got that. Um it's also available on Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. Uh and it, the first game is hard to get physical nowadays. Um, you don't see it too often, but they are re-released. They're releasing Cat Quest 2 with the first game on the same disc or cartridge, and I believe that's coming out in a month or two. Um, and it's not going to be that or bad price-wise. So Cat Quest is a lot of fun. It's a open-world RPG um, where everything in the game is either cats or dragons. Okay. And... It's just fun hack and slash combat. Um, when when you get new swords and armor and stuff, like let's say you get the same sword twice, it upgrades the sword that you have. Um, so you're constantly getting new armor and equipment, but it's it's really simplified and easy to use, um, and it's a good time. The my only complaint about Cat Quest Two is there's parts in the game where like you're you're like oh i'm level 90 this should be easy and then you run up against an enemy that's level 999 and it just kills you in one hit sure. and you're like oh sweet god this game looks like it's for children and that thing just destroyed me uh, um so now but it's a lot of fun i like it and the second game has co-op through the whole thing and the second game the co-op character is a dog oh no so why that one do you have on ps4 and not an xbox one uh because they did not release it physically on Xbox One. Ah, I see. I see. Do I own it? Dig- Actually, I was going to say, do I own it digitally on Xbox One? But I can't even say that because they. I own Cat Quest 2 on Xbox One digitally. But the first game, they could not get running on Xbox One. Um, like they did. They just. Hmm. They couldn't uh, get it running in a way that uh, would be financially viable. And apparently it's using an old version Unity, they said. Another that version wasn't of... compatible. I think it was I think it's Unity. Oh, okay. Sure. Huh. Um that wasn't that wasn't compatible. And so they just said it wasn't worth updating. Because uh I think I tweeted at them and asked them like if they were gonna release the original on Xbox One. Interesting. Hmm. Cat Quest for PS4. I have the game, yep. I just never played it. Like I'm Good pretty time. sure I can see it over there. Uh, how how have you not played that with Jenny? I don't know. Well, the second one's co-op. Queen of the Cats. So now I'll have to. She's really interested in that game Stray for PS5 too. Looks, yeah. I showed her the trailer. <laughs> looks really good. All uh, right. So what is your game of the week? So my game of the week is for PS2. It is Contra Shattered Soldier. Now, the Contra name is obviously synonymous with quality, especially through the NES-era Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. Like, Contras had amazing games. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you make a good point because on PS1 and Sega Saturn, the Contra games were terrible. Um, they did C, the Contra Adventure, and then they did Contra... Yeah, I almost said Alien Wars. Contra, C, Contra Adventure, and Contra something. Doesn't matter. And, and they're not Which great. one was the one that came with 3D glasses? That was Legacy of War, Contra Legacy of War. That's the other okay. one. So, so that's the one that came with 3D glasses. So the Contra games were not very good. And so they had a rough patch. And then Shattered, and, and because they tried to make them 3D games too, they were like top-down 3D run-around world games. Like that's not Contra. I don't care like what platform you're on. Don't make the game with that because that's not the spirit of the game. So Shattered Soldier went back to that just awesome 2D style gameplay. All the character models are 3D, so it's 2.5D is what you would call that nowadays. Um, but it was really good. The only problem, it is stupid hard. Stupid hard. Yeah. And and if you don't play on the hardest level, they don't unlock all the stages in the game. So if you play on like easy, you get to play like two or three levels, and then it says game over. Try on a harder level to play the rest of the game. And then you put on <laughs> medium, you get to play like one more level, and then finally you put on hard to play all the stages. It's like that gets so obnoxious and annoying. But this one's pretty good. Uh, after this, they came out with a game called Neo Contra, which I also don't think is very good. And then they came out with, uh, it's technically not Contra, but they came out with a game which was a sequel, a spiritual successor to the Genesis game, and they just called it Hardcore, like the Hardcorps, you know, Hardcore. And that is a great 2D Contra-like. They just didn't call it Contra Hardcore. They just called it Hardcore. I don't know. It's on PS3 and 360. It's really good. Um, And then, of course, uh, you know, Contra has... Uh, we had a pretty good one on the DS. Contra 4 is, is pretty that? good. Um, what is the garbage one? Uh, Rogue Core. That's what it's called. Yes, and then most recently, Please. Contra Rogue Core, which is straight, straight ass. Like, it's just rough. <laughs> that game yep. is... There's a, it's so bad. There's it, a panda in it. There's a girl that has a weird like demon in her stomach. I think they showed that... <laughs> I think they showed that last year at E3. I think... And I remember watching it, and I was like, uh, what is this crap? And it's it was bad. And if it wasn't E3 last year, it was maybe the Video Game Awards or something. But it was, ooh, ooh that game's rough. So Contra, <laughs> Contra's had, had, had its ups and downs, but uh, the one on PS2, Contra Shattered Soldier, very good. Just very hard, but very good. Who did the art on that cover? Is that the, is that the guy that does the... Um, Metal Gear stuff? No, it's not uh, Yoji Shinkawa, but it almost looks like someone who would have done Silent Hill. It actually kind of looks like, you know, it almost looks like, uh, what's the name of the artist that did um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? I forget the name of that artist. I've looked it up a bunch because I love that style where it's really like hand-drawn and creepy. It almost has some of those vibes. To me, it looked like the comic book artist Jay Lee, uh, who did a lot of the Dark Tower comics okay um he's got a very like kind of spooky style um and then the sequel that you mentioned the neo is it neo contra yeah the cover of neo contra is done by who do you uh was that jim lee yep yeah yeah like every time i see the cover that i'm like oh this is awesome and i'm like oh this game sucks (laughs) (laughs) 
But the art's they awesome. They only paid to have quality cover. Well, and I would think, because I guess they didn't put his name anywhere on there too, unless it's probably signed on the cover somewhere. But you would think I if think they had is. like a big name artist that they would, you know, put it somewhere in the box or advertise it. Also, as I was looking at the back, I noted one of the features of the game, John. Unlockable endings and levels depending on player performance. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's the twisted way of saying if you don't play it on hard you don't get to play the whole game so screw you <laughs> um, alright so what do you have in your pickup pile of the week alright so we will start with Xbox One first alright so I did the GameStop uh, buy 5 games get 50% off deal excellent um, so I got a bunch. Um, Everspace, uh, Stellar Edition. Uh, I mentioned it before, but Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered. Uh, Deadpool. Uh, Worms Battlegrounds Cross Worms WMD. Nice. Uh, so two games on a disc. The Ultimate Slasher Edition of Friday the 13th, which has the DLC. That game was a blast when it first came out. I can't say much for it now, but I had so much fun playing that when it first came out on PC. Uh, I hate the the achievements in the game are awful, but <laughs> that was the major turnoff for me playing it. It was like, get a thousand kills with Jason. It's like, uh, that's easier uh, said than done, yeah. considering you never get to play as Jason. Yeah, yeah, I ain't doing that. <laughs> the, the nice thing about, so these guys went on to make the Predator game, and the nice thing about that is you can play in a party, and then you can say whether you prefer to be a soldier or the predator. So if there's an achievement specifically around getting like a certain number of predator kills, you can say you want to be the predator. Oh, nice. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think that's a smarter way to do it. So good on them for fixing that. Uh, Warriors Orochi five or four. Uh, and then, um, so. Uh, Best Buy has been blowing out first-party Xbox One games mm-hmm. um, for ridiculous prices. So last week I got like four first-party Xbox One games, um, and this week I got three. So Bleeding Edge was five dollars. Five dollars. That game yeah. came out literally. What was that? Like three months ago? How long? How, that hasn't been a, out that I long. I think it was late March. I'm pretty sure it was late March. Um, Yikes. Gears 5 was $10. 10 bucks, yeah. Um, which I'm not a big Gears fan, but 10 bucks. Jesus. First part of Microsoft, uh, then, why not? Yep, and then State of Decay 2, and then the Steelbook. The funny thing is, the Steelbook was free, and they shipped me the Steelbook. Separately. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, so they lost money sending me the Steelbook. Thanks, Best Buy. Uh, <laughs> Best Buy is incredible. Yeah, I don't know what the hell. I love that they still have. <laughs> I love that they still have steelbooks for that. And then, do you remember when I w- we were talking about this the other week, where where they had PlayStation Four games on sale really cheap? They were remember when yep. they were eight dollars a piece. Yeah, now they're five. They're five now. <laughs> we if we had waited one week, we'd have gotten all those games for five instead of eight. Son of a bee. All right, so I got a couple of these from you. Uh, Damage Inc. Uh, for Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty and Rise of Nightmares. Excellent. Uh, Keeping me ooh. in business. All right, so now we're on to PS4. Good God, man! Uh, here's another one from you, Bubsy. Bubsy, it, only on fire. O- only quality stuff you get from my store. 
Yep. <laughs> uh, Our World is Ended. Uh, this was another one of the games, but uh, 50% deals. Uh, Northgard. Uh, Angry Birds Movie 2, which is a VR game. And then Super Street. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, which is a game that features licensed uh, car parts that you can apply to your non-licensed car. <laughs> uh, there's no real cars in that game. <laughs> oh, which, which to be fair, I, I think we mentioned this last week or when I, when you were in the store. It can work. Midnight Club Two did not have licensed cars, but it just. But it you, was a good game. But it was a good game. <laughs> one and two, you do lose something. Like you want real cars. Like it, it just feels weird when you're driving that real car. Like I wish GTA could somehow get real car licenses in that game. Like you'd think you'd think with the number of players they have that the car makers would not care that it was in a game where you yeah. murder and kill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last two are limited run games. So I got Away Journey to the Unexpected, which is a first person dungeon crawl light rpg Mm -hmm. um with roguelike elements um i played it on xbox one and i had a good time with it and then i got secret of monkey island for sega cd uh in its uh when it originally came out on sega cd it was in a crappy flimsy cardboard box yes and uh limited run reprinted the game brand new and put it in a nice actual sega saturn jewel case yeah, Sega CD jewel case. I uh, so I haven't gotten those yet. I got my my box with away in it, but they didn't ship the Monkey Islands yet. But uh, I love I love it. They well, I love and hate that they're reprinting Sega CD games. But obviously, <laughs> one, ones that only had cardboard boxes, like I'm down with that. Like, yes, I'd rather put it in an official case. It's an official release, it's limited run, looks good. Just yeah, yeah. Like I didn't I didn't pick up the um, Star Wars Assault game. Because I already own that, right? And it was originally in a regular jewel case box, so I didn't feel the need to pick that one up. But that one, I I had the cardboard box version for, and it. I figured, why not? I I want one of those gigantic jewel case boxes. Yeah. Well, and and originally, so that was a big deal for limited run. Josh talked about that, where he wanted those Sega CD cases made. And he had them made in the U.S. for a lot higher price than sending it to China to get made cheaply because they're just going to steal the design and start making their own. And right when he was about to, like, get this all done, someone else came up with, like, the dimensions for Sega CD cases and had them being made in China. So on Amazon, you can get (laughs) replacement Sega CD cases, and they're kind of pricey, and they're not very high quality. And and so I keep asking Limited Run Josh, I'm like, dude, when are these ever going to be available for sale? Because, like, you know, that was his big thing is they wanted to sell them through their site. And uh, I think I'm going to just have to get to the point where I, you know, I just order some of the crappy ones for the store because I think the other ones will be too expensive to be able to replace 10 and $15 games with, you know? Yeah. I remember back in the day, uh, so this is probably like 2004, 2005, there was a store down in Milwaukee that was just a hole-in-the-wall, random, crappy uh, used game store. And I bought two things there. I bought a strategy guide for Half-Life on the Dreamcast. Night. Oh, oh, uh, really? Yeah. They, Holy they crap. Okay. The strategy guide, but they did not release the game. 
Um, and That's then amazing. I bought about 30 to 40 copies of Frank Thomas Big Hurt Baseball <laughs> for about a dollar each uh, because he had he had like a pallet of them basically. Yeah, nice. And uh, I was like, hey, if I buy a ton of these, can you give me a deal? And he's like, yeah, I'll give them for a dollar each. I was like, sweet. That's amazing. So I bought like 40 of them and I replaced all of my cases for my uh, broken, <laughs> cracked up, crappy Sega Saturn games. I uh, I was uh, in Steven's point at a store called Gaming Generations probably four or five years ago. And they, I went there and I looked through all their Saturn games and they had all these old sports games that were crappy and they were like three to five bucks each or something. And I picked up like all the ones with good cases and I was like, I'll just take these for even three to five bucks. And then I took them up there and the guy's like, oh man, you know, here, we'll give you a deal because you're buying all these sports games that are so crappy. And I was like, okay. And I think I ended up getting them for like two bucks, <laughs> two bucks a piece. Not quite as good, as good a deal as nice. you got, but I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah, yeah. I'll take these cases for that price. Cause you can't, it's hard to find good quality replacements. So, so, uh, that is everything for me. All right. Well, uh, first up in my pile, I have another PS2 import, and this is the last of the imports I've ordered that are on the way or that have come. Uh, I keep trying to order stuff from Japan and I keep getting it canceled because Japan post is like not shipping right now. And Mm -hmm. I should say they weren't, I don't know if they're back up and shipping now. I know they're starting to ease restrictions a little bit. Uh, on Japan shipping, but I got from Europe, I got my copy of Splattermaster. So this this little pumpkin head kid. And oh uh, yeah, I saw that in the store the other day. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so it's, it's like a side scrolling kind of beat up style and you go through levels. It reminds me a lot of Splatterhouse. Um, do you have Gregory horror show? I don't, I I've almost bought it a few times. I've played it and I don't really care much for it. So, but I kind of want it obviously because of the name. So, yeah. Um I got in a mint inbox copy for N64 of Mischief Makers. I know my green screen is throwing you off here. Let me see if I can Let me see if I can get this off. Can here. you embiggen yourself? <laughs> Embiggens. Uh sure. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nice. So a mint that inbox look, copy of Mystery. damn good. This is from the company we both love a lot, uh, Treasure, yep. uh, made this game. Uh, it's not their strongest game, believe me. It uh, It's it's N64 ass, you know, like 64, like even Treasure couldn't make a great 64 game. It was like impossible. Um, I picked up a copy of Atelier Fierce. Um Now, I asked Dave what you had said about which one was like a graphic novel or like a visual novel. Yeah, and he didn't have any recollection of that. So, because um, I thought maybe that was this one, that's why it was so cheap. It was only like fifteen bucks. But I picked that up, and then the rest of these were all stuff I got from Limited Run. So this is stuff that I don't know, like been taking a while to get. But first up is uh, Dark Devotion, and this is like it's really hard to see from the picture on the back, but it's uh, like a two D pixelated side scroller. It looks really good, really dark, really cool. Okay. I picked up a copy of Streets of Red, which is a playoff of Streets of Rage, and it's a hand-drawn beat 'em up. Looks pretty cool, you know, graphically. I was tempted by that. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, I got my physical copy of Valhalla for PS4. I got The Stranger Things 3 the game. 
which is this awesome kind of isometric view. Um, reminds me a lot of Zombies Ate My Neighbors almost. Yes. Um, not as not as frantic. It's like Zombies Ate My Neighbors. The Yeah, exactly. Uh, I got a copy of Illusion of La Falsia. This is another another one of these uh, chemco. We call the me and Dave call these chemco shitters. So basically, yeah. <laughs> chem, Chemco's been pumping out these Japanese RPGs that look like they were made in RPG Maker, right? And so you're like, wow, these are some these are some twenty dollar greasers, and they probably are, but they're turn based RPGs, and they look great. I love the style, and it looks like Cheetah Man two on the cover, or Cheetah Woman <laughs> Cheetah Woman two on the cover. Who cares? Uh, um, the best NES game ever made. Uh, now I still have not played this. Jordan swears up and down this is one of the best games he's played in a long time. But this is uh, I don't know. Is it Grizz? Grease? I've heard Grease. Grease. Okay, that's easier to say. So I've heard this game's fantastic though, and I do want to play this. I just you know, give me the time. You know, and I then, missed out on that one. Lastly, very happy about this one. Uh, I I want this on my shelf for a very long time. Uh, the physical copy of Blasphemous on PS4. Nice. This I, I've talked about this game before. I freaking loved this game, and I would have platinumed this stupid game if the platinum wasn't so stupid. Like, like one of the, <laughs> one of the trophies is literally beat every boss in the game without getting hit. Oh, it, Jesus! It, it, and I understand there's people that can do that. That's not how I play these games. I'll never do it. I'll never ever ever yeah. do that. I, I just I don't want to. I couldn't do a boss fight that long, and then all of a sudden at the last second had the boss just hit you and be like. Mm, Screw me, I guess. Uh, give me one second. I'm going to run downstairs, and we're going to answer that stupid Atlier question. Okay. <laughs> I forgot okay. which one of these games is. So I'll, I'll talk. They're, they're in order now. I'll talk to the nice folks here while John's dinking around looking for the Atelier <laughs> games. <laughs> um, but I will say, John, since, you're, since you can still hear me, I did get one final thing I picked up. It's not a game. It is a 27-inch Sony Trinitron crt tv <laughs> nice where did you get that from i found someone in uh howard was selling it on facebook marketplace okay and it's uh, got uh, two component ports three composites no hdmi which was kind of a bummer like i was holding out to try to find one of the sony Tritrons that had one hdmi port on it but uh the component one's fine so uh, i ended up getting that he had it listed at 40 bucks and i got it for 25 <laughs> you haggled oh yeah i I don't know if i can swing that extra 15 man yeah i haggled i haggled and said hey would you do 20 and he's like i'll do 25 i'm like i'll be there in an hour (laughs) so after work it was raining too but after work i went and got it so i gotta get hooked up and then here's the here's the real kicker so you know i buy those analog systems and for anyone anyone who's listening to this doesn't know what an analog system is It's, it's basically they use they build machines that use hardware emulation instead of software emulation and they're really high build quality, and they go out HDMI. So I have a Super Nintendo, a Sega Genesis, and I'm s- and I have a Nintendo one as well. It's not the analog version; it's the AVS, but whatever. Um, and so since now I have a TV, I want to play these on that doesn't have HDMI. I had to go to the company Analog, and I had to buy their digital to analog converter box for eighty dollars. So not only did I spend two hundred dollars on the device to play these things through HDMI because that's the world that we live in nowadays. And that's what I wanted to do. Now I had to buy a device to step it down so that I can play it <laughs> on my old TV. I'm such, I'm such an idiot. I hate it. What are you supposed to do though? You know? Yeah. Cause you totally could just 
take out an actual SNES or Genesis or whatever and play and play those and they games. don't and they don't look that bad through composite where it would be like unplayable you know like it really doesn't but I also what's funny is I don't have a Super Nintendo and I don't I don't no. have a regular Nintendo anymore like I only have my like ABS versions of those like my my hardware emulation versions of those I don't uh yeah I don't um I don't have the original systems anymore the only original systems I really have like I have my original PS2 and I have the turbo I mean technically I do have a Genesis because I've got the Sega CD add-on with it but ah uh, okay um does the does the Sega CD add-on work with the analog Genesis yes it does nice Yep. Yeah, uh, have you tried? Right have you tried a Sega CD game in that thing? I have not. You should do that. I would be interested if there's a uh, good jump in quality, or if it still kind of looks crappy. Well, that's that is the nice thing. Like it, the Sega since the Sega CD output through the normal Genesis output, it mm-hmm. it does look better. Like it looks sharper, but obviously, like the FMV games still look bad because that was just yes. they compressed the video so much to get it on the disc, but. But yeah, well, that, that's all I, I had in my pickup pile of the week. I could not find that damn game. I think I gotta, I gotta search it on my uh, my app because I think it's one of the few Atelier games that's not called Atelier or something. It's, oh, it's a different first part of the title. Oh, well, so, perfect, good. I'll do some digging. I'll figure out what the hell it is. <laughs> oh, it sounds good. Well, hey everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, remember, you can follow John on Twitter at Dryer Combo. You can follow me on Twitter at game trade greg and you can uh, subscribe on youtube that'd be great we're over seven thousand subs now we're cl- slowly climbing to that ten thousand mark um that's youtube.com slash drop rate and i'm trying to do some more live streaming and we of course have the charity live stream coming up in october which i know is four months away but hey the last three months went by like that so i mean the next three months are probably gonna go by just as fast and that's at twitch.tv slash the drop rate and um, you can always tweet at us or you can message us or whatever. And if you have any questions for us, John and I are pretty open about <laughs> anything. So you can ask us yep. uh, questions about the game industry or just, uh, I don't know, painting garage Stores doors. that you may have on your body. <laughs> well, you can, whatever. you can ask John that. <laughs> He'll take <laughs> care of that. But uh, thank you, everybody, as always, for listening. We really, really appreciate you. Say goodbye, John. Have a good day. Good we'll one. talk to you next time. Bye-bye.